Yeah, really, maybe I shouldn't even be preaching here, huh? It's kind of rough preaching in this church, if you ain't got anything to say. So, thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? All the time. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord. I got 31 minutes, and I can do this. So, um, you know, in the Bible, um, in Luke 22, before Jesus was crucified, he was talking to Peter, and he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you. Y'all remember that? But, but when you return, strengthen your brothers. Remember that? So, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about what God wants to do in your life now. Because I think a lot of people have gone through a sifting. Okay? And if you haven't, well, I have no, no answers for you. <laughs> but I wanted to just... I'm a, well, let me just read this scripture here. It says, this is famous scripture, to everything there's a season, Ecclesiastes 3.1, a time... For every purpose under heaven. And every season in our life, there's a purpose for it. That's what it's telling us. There's something that's meant to happen. There's an accomplishment that God wants to do in your life. And even when you're being sifted, God is, God wastes, there's no waste in the kingdom of heaven. If nothing is wasted in your life. It doesn't have to be wasted. Oh, by the way, I've got to tell you this. This is a, a commercial. When you get home, open your email. There's a, a, an email announcement in there that you need to read. Okay? If you don't get the announcements at riverlifefellowship.com, sign up for it and then get it. But please read that. It's important. But I don't want to I need to move on. We'll talk about that later. Um, so God wants to accomplish things in our lives when we go through times. And, and so a lot of people have heard you know, these messages right, lately at River Life about crossing over. And because we believe that our time in the wilderness is over with. Amen? Amen. We believe our time of being sifted is over with. And it's time to cross over into a new place. And that was what Dean was feeling. That's what people have been getting from the Lord a lot lately. And they're probably getting it from the Lord in other places, but I haven't been checking. So, you know, we went through a really terrible season in our church. And Satan really tried to take us out. He really did. He really tried to destroy us. And... Uh, I mean, he just tried to, tried to destroy many people individually, and he tried to destroy us corporately. That's the real truth. Nothing like I've ever seen. And it was a real battle. I don't know if you knew that or not, but if you didn't, I'm happy you didn't because it was terrible. And it, on a personal level, it was a real battle for me. And um, there was just a few moments there that, Lord, I'm not going to get through this unless you get me through it, you know, I mean, I mean, I really came to some re reality in my life 
that any, it's not me holding on to God, it's God holding on to me. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you think you're holding on to God and you find out I wasn't holding on to Him, He was holding on to me. I think we should always be intentional to hold on to the Lord, but I think He's a lot more intentional to hold on to us. And if we'll let Him, He'll get us through these things. Uh, I wanted to read this scripture out of Job. It says, uh, this is when Job was kind of in his mess, and this is how he was thinking. But I, I want to twist this a little bit in a different direction after I read it. Job uh, can further continue his discourse. Everybody has a discourse when you're going through a hard time, don't you? Yeah, everybody in this room has a discourse. A lot of people, when they're in their hard time, they develop a bad theology. It's just best not to have a discourse, I've concluded. It's just like, you know what, I don't know. I got to that place like, I don't know. I'm good not knowing. You know, in fact, I got to a day where I said, I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> and, and the reason I was able to say that, because I was comfortable with the Lord. I wasn't comfortable with what was going on in my life. Oh, that it were as in months past. Now, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah everybody's been in a blessed time in their life, and then you find yourself in not such a blessed time, right? Maybe you had, was making a lot of money, and now you're not making a lot, or maybe you had an anointing at one time in your life, and now your anointing don't seem to be so anointed. You know what I'm talking about? That's a bad day. Or, you know, God was really using you, and now God doesn't seem to have any need to use you anymore. Yeah. Oh, as it was in the days and months past, and it's in the days when God watched over me, when His lamp shone upon my head, and why... When by his light I walked through darkness, just as in, as was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent. Isn't that a beautiful way of saying it? But it's got this when thing, when, just as it was, and when. When the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me, older people know about that. Y'all guys with little kids, you think, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait. And then when they're gone, I wish they would come back. <laughs> I miss those kids. You know, it's kind of nice, though, when they're gone, honestly. It really is. You can eat what you want to eat, when you want to eat. You can just do whatever you want to do, you know. You know, you don't have anybody else messing with you. When my steps were bathed with cream. That's what I love right there. That's what I really wanted to get to. When my steps were bathed with cream. And the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. Isn't that beautiful? And so there Job was talking about a time in his life. And now he's sort of in a not that time. But here's what I want to say to you. I want to tell you. I believe the Lord's saying to people this morning. Take the wind out. And he wants you to declare that it's a time. It's a time for your steps to be bathed with cream. I'm talking about now. And the rock to start pouring out rivers of oil. The rock's Christ. That's really the, the Lord's heart. He really wants to speak a new beginning to you in your life. He wants to change the order of your life today. I believe that with all my heart. And... Uh, that's what I believe the Lord is declaring over this church. And I'm disagreeing with the Lord this morning. One thing I saw in worship this morning was I saw uh, it was like a robe. 
and it was big because people were running to get under this garment. There were just piles of people running to get under this garment. And that was the scripture where Jesus said, he was, he was talking about Jerusalem, how I desired to gather you as, as a chick, to gather a chicken and, or hen, I think is what he used, a chicken. That's what you say in the country. It's all chickens. <laughs> as a hen gathers its chicks under its wing. And that's what I feel like the Lord was saying. And I feel like God wants you to take refuge under His, under His wing today and make that the determination of your life that you're going to take refuge under the wings of the Almighty God. And there's an invitation from the Lord for you to come. In fact, I can tell you this with all my heart. Now, you just come on and join me because I've made a decision in my heart. That's where I'm going. I'm going under the shadow of his wing. I'm going to gather myself up under the garment of the Lord. I'm going to gather myself up under the garment of the Lord. That's where I'm going to be. And I invite you to come. And the Lord is inviting the nations. The Lord's inviting the nations to himself right now. Don't be afraid is what the Lord's saying. When you're under the shadow of the Lord, you don't have to be afraid of anything because no weapon formed against you will come against you. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you, says the Lord. You know, the people of God have to begin to believe that, but the way you believe it is by getting up, putting yourself up under there. Amen? Yeah, amen. Let me read uh, Philippians Four eleven through 13. This is what Paul said, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state, learned, everybody say learned, learned. in whatever state I am to be content. That's a hard lesson, I'm telling you. It's a hard lesson to be content when things are not contented in your life. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Well, I'm not going to go this morning and say, that I've learned everything about being abased, and I certainly haven't learned everything about, about being abounded, but I have learned, I've learned some things. I learned some things in the last two years uh, the hard way. Um, it seems that's the story of my life. I don't feel like I get free things. I think everything's a gift, but it always seems to come to me in a trying way. Everywhere... And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the key to all of this, is finding the person of Christ in your life. It's finding. That's the key to learning how to go through trying times and difficulties in your life. And it's finding the strength of Christ God brings us many times through these difficult moments in our life to show us how bankrupt we are in our own strength. Let me just say that. You are bankrupt in your own strength. I don't, whether you believe that or not, you may or may not believe it, but God will bring you to a place in your life where you feel bankrupt in your strength to do anything. And when you come to that place, you are in a place where God can begin to work in your life and He can begin to bring deliverance in your heart. But it's not easy to get there. Nobody gets there easily, I don't think. I think everybody gets there 
through circumstances and situations in that life that try them to the limit and bring them to the edge of their life and bring them to the point where apart from Christ you're doomed, apart from Christ you, you will fail. Do you know what I mean? Has anybody ever been in that place? Let me say that God wants to bring us all to the brink. Your destiny is to go to the brink. Your destiny is to find yourself at the brink where if God doesn't intervene, there's no hope for you because there is no hope apart from the Lord Himself. I want to tell you that this morning. Well, I've been hearing all these stories about people crossing over and... I was really encouraged by it, and I was seeing people, I was seeing God do stuff in people's lives. I was encouraged to see them do stuff in their life, but what I was not encouraged about, you know, when they crossed over in Jordan, you know that uh, thing, that Jordan River was, they say it was a, 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 at least one mile wide. In other words, I always had in my mind it was, you know, 50 feet, you could see to the other side, you couldn't even see the other side of it. It was so wide. And there were a couple million people at least that had to cross over. And so some of them, and I all kind of felt like, Lord, you know, I must be at the back of this bunch. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling these days, Lord. I'm, I'm thinking I'm at the back. Everybody's crossing over, but I feel like I'm struggling still. You know what I mean? Does anybody know what it means to, when everybody's getting a breakthrough and you feel like you're still struggling in your heart. You just don't feel like you can get through for some reason. You're believing to get through. You're believing it's God, that God's doing all this. But for you, you're saying, Lord, help. I, I don't have this connection. There's something missing in my life, Lord. I don't know what in the world's happening. Lord, I believe all this. I feel all this. But somehow, Lord, it's not happening in me. Does anybody know that? It's a hard moment when it's like that. It's no fun to be at the back, you know, and everybody else is marching into the promised land and you're still over there wondering if you're going to get there or if the water's going to cover you before you get across. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's how I felt. And then I had a friend who called me one day. He said, hey, I'm passing through Charlotte. He lives in another state on the other side of the country, actually. I'm passing through Charlotte. How about let's have breakfast together? And I haven't seen him in six years. And he said, Byron, how are you? What has been going on in your life? I've been reading your stuff. What in the world has happened to you? How did you get through all this? That's what he asked me. And when, he, when I started telling him, I started getting this breakthrough. When I started telling him how I got through. I didn't know how I got through. <laughs> to tell you the truth of the story, I had to tell myself. Okay, are you okay? So here's a couple of things I want to tell you that might help you this morning if you are struggling in your life to come into that place where you feel like your feet are bathed in the cream of the Lord and the rock of the Lord is releasing a river of oil to you. Anybody feel like, oh, i got to get there. That's where I'm going. It's this crazy, man. Nothing in my life changed, but something inside of me changed. Something happened. I can't explain to you what it is, but there was a shift that happened to me in an instant. And my attitude changed in an instant. Everything about me changed in an instant. I wish I could explain it to you, but it's like I got this instant breakthrough from the Lord. 
that I had been looking for for two years. I'd been looking for God to do this one thing in me. I didn't know what it was, but I knew God had to do something in me to change me, to help me see, to come into this place where I was free from what had happened to me and I was free from the hurt and the discouragement and all the things that I went through that warred against me that I had finally come to a place where I was standing in victory, but I was not just standing in victory of a person that was wounded from the fight and beat down from the fight. You know what I'm talking about? You can go to war and come home victorious, but come home maimed and tore up. We've seen the pictures of the soldiers. Their lives forever ruined. Men from Vietnam came home, and to this day, they are lost. They have a hollow look in their eyes because even though they got through it and made it back, their hearts didn't get through it and made it back. Something was stolen from them. And that's what the enemy will ultimately do. If he cannot kill you, if he can't kill you or kill your family, which he tried to kill all of us, he went through, he went for it to kill us and destroy us. That's a bad thought, isn't it? Well, that's what he does, right? He's a killer. And so, but he didn't. That's the good news. Because the Lord, the Lord's a victorious Lord. But you can come through the Lord's victory and be like some of those Vietnam vets inside, ruined, needing something, or some of the vets we see in recent wars. God wants to free people from that. That's not the Father's heart. Anyways, are y'all all right? Well, let me tell you, that guy who's going to come next Sunday, let me tell you about him right quick. Just to kind of give you another commercial. Sajan called me and was telling me, would I be interested in having this man? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, maybe I think, yeah. He said, well, look at his website. And he said, this is the man who prophesied that this would be our church. That's what he did. I said, well, heck, that settles it for me. Just, we got them out of the deal. He can come over that. Even if he doesn't know anything else, he can come over that. <laughs> Turns out he's a pretty, pretty high-level prophet. And, you know, so I thought, yeah. I looked at his website. Yeah, this guy has some pretty high-level prophetic anointing on him. So it'd be, it's going to be good to get some revelation from that. Anyways, this is the thing. Let me get back to this. Here's what I told this friend. I told him this. I didn't, he said, how'd you get through it? This is what I said. I didn't let my state or my circumstances determine my identity. Let me say that one more time. This is how I got through this terrible time. I didn't let the state of things I didn't let the defeat, the loss, the hurt, all the dismal stuff, I did not let that determine my identity. I made a decision at some point. I may be defeated. I may be whipped down. I may be a failure, but I'm really not. I just may be living in it, but that's not who I am. And I made a hard decision that day. I dug my feet in. And said, I'm not going to let my life and what's going on in my life that's not good, that I don't like, 
when I don't feel like God's answering my prayers, when I don't feel like things are the way they should be, I'm not going to let that determine who I am. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in this room, you're going to have to face that. You're going to have to face that. How many people in here have circumstances in your life you think might be a little bit better? Like, for instance, I, I'd like to have a, well, I'm not me personally, but somebody might want to have a, a spouse, right? Oh, I wish I could. God would give me a spouse, or maybe give me a better one, because <laughs> the one I got ain't no good. I made a, a terrible mistake. Something happened to that woman when I married her. <laughs> not me. I'm not talking about me now. Might be somebody else. Or maybe you'd want a better job. Or maybe you have bad health. Like, Lord, I just wish I had good health. My health is terrible, you know. Or I had a better church, a better preacher in my life. <laughs> Something better, a better car. Something in my life, I need help. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody in this room, you got something in your life that's not going the way you would like for it to go. We not, I don't know of anybody who can just look at their life and everything's rosy and cheap, cheeky or whatever that word is, peachy. <laughs> See this, in those times you've you got to be careful to not allow those things to define who you are. Here are some things I wrote down I would catch myself saying. Uh, well, I can't do that because. I just can't do that because. I don't have the money. Or God ain't letting me, you know. Or, well, that's really awesome for that church, but you got to understand where we're at. We're in a bad place. We really can't fulfill that calling. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I love, I love, I love to have a chance to do that, Lord. I just wish I could. I, I just know I can't. I was going to do that. I was really going to do that, but. Well, I think I'd be more successful if this, such, if this situation wouldn't have happened in my life. I used to believe things like that was possible. You know what I'm saying? I used to believe things like that were possible. Has anybody ever said that? Are y'all, do y'all ever have thoughts like any of those? And see, if you're having thoughts like that, you, what you're doing is you're letting your circumstances define you. And when you begin to let your circumstances define you, let me just tell you this, that you... Your circumstances are going to defeat you. Let me say that one. I promise you, they are going to defeat you, and they're going to defeat you bad. You will be defeated by your circumstances. And when we were going through the worst of our moments, it was like I had to face this thing. I had to face this temptation that I was a failure. I had to face it, and that I did not have the answers needed. But you know what I determined? I determined, you know what? At the end of the day, I am not a failure. I may be failing, but I'm not a failure. That's not who I am. There's a big difference in saying, well, I'm in a failing situation right now. Things are going bad. Than saying I'm a failure. It's a big difference. And you have to battle that thing. You have to fight that thing because the devil is sitting there bearing down on you, telling you how sorry you are how much a failure you are and how nothing's going to work out in your life and how your future is a bad future. And when you begin to hear that stuff, you need to begin to fight back. You need to begin to push back on it because what is happening is your circumstances, the devil's using what's bad's happening in your life to tell you who you are. And there's nobody on this earth 
has a right to tell you who you are. Nobody. No one has a right to tell you who you are. There's only one person that has any right to tell you who you are. If you don't get who you are from him, I don't care what anything, nothing's going to work in your life. And that's the father. The father is your father. More than your natural daddy is. The father is the one who created you. And he's the only one who can say, this is who you are. If you get that information from anybody else, it is going to crumble in your life. It's going to crumble. Now, I'm not saying we don't need affirmation from other people. But other people can give you affirmation all day long. And you'll be okay until you wake up the next morning. And that hole in your heart, all that affirmation is poured out on the ground. And you don't have it no more. And so, if you don't get a revelation from God the Father about your identity, you don't have identity. Only because only He can give you identity. And so you, do you understand what I'm saying? I hope y'all are getting that. Yeah. Well, I got to be done here, huh? I only told you one thing. Let me tell you one more. Maybe. No, two more. I'll tell you the other thing that really, really was powerful for me is about my confidence. I never thought about confidence before. Okay? Confidence is my confidence took the worst beating it ever took in my life, is I felt like I was losing my confidence. And I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to lose your confidence, you are you're in a losing situation. Now, I'm not talking about self-confidence. Self-confidence is self-centered. It's arrogant. It's hard to be around. You know what I'm talking about? I can't stand to be around self-confident people especially people in the ministry who are self-confident. I, can't, I can hardly bear to be in their earshot of them. I want to run from them, you know. But I love to be in people who are confident in Christ, confident in who God says they are and confident in what God's called them to do, you know. The Bible tells us this. It tells us don't throw away your confidence because it will reward you. It will reward you. There's a reward in holding on to your hand, but it tells us don't throw it away because you're going to be tempted to toss your confidence out the door. You're going to be tempted to forsake your confidence because the enemy goes after your godly confidence. He wants to take it from you. And once you lose your confidence, you really can't do what you're supposed to do. You can't be who God's called you to be because you don't have the confidence in you. See, God has given people a godly confidence. He's imparted to every believer And the enemy sees that, and he'll use your situation, he'll use your circumstances to go after your godly confidence, to take you down and destroy you. And so there was a war over my confidence. I had a war. I had a battle. Every day I would have to get up and fight this thing off in me trying to take my confidence. But I'll tell you what, it didn't get my confidence. It didn't get my confidence. I refused to I refused to give my confidence away. I refused. I said, this, I'm not going to do that. I could tell it was battled. I, t- I could tell it was beaten, beat up, but it wasn't defeated. You've got to hang on to your confidence. You know, one of the things I had to do to hang on to my confidence, which seems sort of contrary, which is sort of opposite, I had to totally surrender my reputation. Totally. I mean, that is not, that's the worst day in your life when you have to realize you've got to give up your reputation. Everybody in this room has a reputation. I don't care who you are. You've got something in your heart about your reputation. 
It may take you going through hell to find out what that thing is, but you'll find out at the end of it about your reputation. You're going to find out what's really important for you. Okay? You all have it. Don't act like you don't because you do. you got something in you that's important to you that you want people to know you by. Okay? You've got it because God created it. God has a reputation. But you know what it says in the Bible about Jesus? He became of no reputation. He became of no reputation. That's such a simple thought until you had to live it. And I got down to my one little thing that was really important to me about my reputation. That one little thing. And one day the Lord was saying to me, you know, that thing needs to go. You need to become of no reputation. You need to let that thing go. And I was saying, I don't want to let that go. I don't, Lord, I don't want to. No, 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 no. Please don't take that. Then I realized it's already gone. <laughs> it's only that reputation's only in my mind. I'm the only person who believes that about me anymore. <laughs> Nobody else believes. It. Everybody else is saying, Poor Byron, we're praying for you, son. I had to give it up, but I'd already lost it. You're going to lose your reputation. Let it go. And when I did, it's when I got my confidence back. When I was willing to identify like that with the Lord. Because Paul talks about this. He said, as far as his reputation, it's all doo-doo. Just doo-doo. That's what I count all these things. For the excellency to know the Lord himself. I'll let it go. To know the Lord, to fellowship with His suffering, to walk in His resurrection power. So, now if you start getting into this, tell me. I'll pray for you. But only you can do it. Hey, I got one more little thing I want to tell you. Two more little things. Are you all right? <laughs> Let me read this one little story. I wanted to make a confession. You know, we do this leader, leadership retreat. i got to hurry. We do this leadership retreat every year, okay? The last two years, that we, like 20-something guys go up to Apple Hill, you know, to be with the Lord, play golf and be with the Lord. <laughs> Those are not mutually, mutually exclusive things. Anyways, you know... You know, let me tell you what hell is. <laughs> hell is being the leader and not knowing what to do. Hell's being a leader and not knowing what to do. Hell's being a leader and not really knowing, not having answers. Now, that's the truth. Those things, those two things about, they about did me in because, like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't have answers. I have no answers. I don't know what to do. And I really didn't want to be comfortable with saying to people, I don't have answers. What kind of leader is that? You know, you know, that's no leader. You don't know what to do. Nobody's going to follow you. You know, you had to fight through all that stuff. But I was reading this scripture one day. It's First Samuel 3, 8 through 14. There was this war. Saul was the king. They was out fighting these Philistines. Samuel said, after you get through beating them, wait on me, and I'll come, and we'll do some sacrifice deal. 
It says in verse 8, he waited seven days. Saul waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. In other words, Samuel said, I'll be there in seven days. But Samuel did not, in, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. It's interesting it was at Gilgal. That's the place of rolling away reproach. He got reproach rolled on him that day. And the, listen to this. And the people were scattered from him. Let me say that. The people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. This is the picture. You're the leader. You don't know what to do. So you take things into your own hand and you do something. That's the picture. So you do it. Samuel representing the Lord shows up. It's a bad day. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. (laughs) Meet to greet. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, well, when I saw the people were scattered from me, mistake one, and that you did not come, Lord, you didn't show up. You didn't show up, Lord. So I just, within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together, the enemy was over there, the people were scattering, you ain't doing what you're supposed to do, Lord. God will put you in a place like that one day. I pray for you. <laughs> then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled. I felt compelled to do something. People will compel you to do something. Your own heart will compel you to do something. And I offered a burnt offering, and Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. That's big trouble in the church, I believe. You have done foolishly. You didn't wait on the Lord. You didn't give God a chance to do what he said, even though he didn't do it exactly the way you thought he was going to do it. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. It's like the ultimate test of leadership right here. Your kingdom will not continue. You might continue being king, but your authority is gone as far as God's concerned. You're done. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. So, you know, one day while we was going through all our troubles, I pulled into the parking lot out there and I was sitting in the car and I was thinking, I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't have any answers for any of this. Seems like you're gone this is a bad time for me, Lord. But I said, you know what I'm going to do, Lord? Here's, here's what I'm going to do. This is my answer. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. I'm going to do that, Lord. I'm going to commit myself to that. And I knew when I was saying that, like, I'm committing myself to an agonizing death. I knew that. I knew I was going to pay dearly for that. You know, you you know that's hard to live. That it's hard to live. That 
It's hard to be committed to not being driven by, by men and by culture and by expectations. It's hard not to have answers when you're supposed to have answers. It's hard. All that is so hard to do. It's, it's, it's impossible to do apart from the Lord. But I decided I'm going to do it and I had pressure all over me. It was constant pressure. Some of it was just in my mind. It wasn't, some of it wasn't even people saying, do something, do something. Some people did say that to me. you got to do something. you got to have answers. Even if they weren't saying it, I was hearing it in my mind constantly. That's why I said those retreats were just like death to me. It's like I didn't want to go except for the golf. <laughs> Let's play golf the whole time. Let's don't talk about God and what God's doing because I don't know what He's doing. I have no clue. He's not talking to me. He's left me out here in the wilderness to die. I've felt that over and over and over. And not only that, he's left me with all them people to die. And I will have to bury them. And I don't want to bury nobody, Lord. Much less myself. Was that too intense? Somehow, this is what I got. I get this revelation of waiting. It says this, those that wait on the Lord will get something. You're going to get strength. You're going to get strength. I, I knew that scripture all my Christian life. All of a sudden, I lived that scripture. I lived. I found out that scripture's true. They, and you know what else it says? They're going to mount up like wings, eagles. They're going to go up. They're going into the heavenly realm. They're going to get revelation. They're going to see the heavens. They're going to see something. They're going to get above the storms and look down on them. That's what it promises us. And then it says, they're going to run. They're going to run and not get tired. In other words, God says, I will give you the energy to go and do what I've called you, and you're going to run like a deer. You can run like a deer, and you will not get tired. And guess what? Also, I'll throw this in on top of it. You'll walk. That's talking about your everyday Christian life. You will not, you'll walk, and you'll have life in you. You'll be invigorated just in your walk with God. The walk with God will not be burdensome to you. God won't feel like a burden. God, you're going to have energy to do the basic things of life. That's what the Bible promises. If you get a revelation on waiting. The only way I know to get a revelation on waiting is to have to wait. I had this vision a few years ago. I'll tell you that real quick. Then I'm going to read one more scripture and be done. I'm over time, I know. I'm breaking the rule. I had this tremendous vision. I went into this tunnel in the spirit realm and I crawled through it and I popped out into this room and there was these two men standing in this room and you know what they said to me? Wait here. And then they left. So here's the first thing. There's waiting rooms in the spiritual realm. And I didn't know it at the time. I think, well, I want to go with them. But I knew I couldn't go. That was the end of the vision. Me left waiting. Little did I realize that was going to be my life. That was where God had me. And I thought it was a bad place. 
because I wanted out of there. I wanted to go where they were going. I knew they were going into other places spiritually. And, I, and they said, wait, wait here. And, of course, these were the kind of people you didn't disobey. You, know? you knew you better not go out that door. I wasn't about to go out it. But I sat there for three years. I would ask the Lord, can I get out of this room? And guess what the answer would be? Nothing. There was no answer. It was like, don't even talk to me about this. We're not talking. This is not a conversation we're having, which means no. Until that day, my friend started talking to me. I thought, oh, oh my gosh. I realized that right then I saw what was happening. I realized the revelation that God was giving me about waiting. That it's not as bad as we thought it was. In fact, Becky might have said this in, in, in South America, in the Spanish language that they're doing right now. Waiting and hoping are the exact same word in their Bible. Becky was trying to explain the difference between waiting and hoping, like saying they're really the same. And she was trying to explain all that to him. Jim said, Stop. It's the same in a Hispanic person's mind. They don't see waiting as a negative thing. They see waiting as hoping. Hoping. How many American Christians see that? Well, let me read this one last scripture and I'm going to let you go because I have went way beyond my... I wanted to end this on a good note. I'm hoping the Lord's speaking to you instead of maybe just me up here sharing my deep, dark, terrible secrets of my life about how sorry of a Christian I've really been. and Like, Lord, help! You know, that's a good prayer. There was one thing, I'm going to tell you that one thing, that I was willing to completely go into defeat. But I just told the Lord, there's just one thing, Lord, I'm willing, I'm not willing to let go of it. And you can eliminate me over this one thing. I'm going to either rise or fall on this one thing. Okay, I'm going to either rise or fall on this one thing. And that got tested pretty bad because I felt some days where I was free-falling over it. But I decided, you know what, this, I'm hanging with this thing. If I don't have anything else but this, then I'll be happy. I'm satisfied with this one thing, Lord. It's Psalm 27, 4 through 8. It says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. Listen to this, that I will seek. Listen, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. All the days. You know, that's always been back in our vision. It's the presence of the Lord. That's been our number one vision. Right, Lord, we'll give away everything else. We'll switch to worship to an organ and three hymns. If that means we can have the presence. That's all we want, Lord. Let us have that. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, listen to this, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the time of trouble. Those are the people who are just saying, I'm going after this thing. I want y'all to get that. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. See, there's such a practicality of making the presence of the Lord the most important thing in your life. 
It's safety. It's security. It's deliverance from your family. It's God embracing you when everything is falling apart around you. It's not just an experience. It's everything to the Christian. It's what God designed us for. God wants to put a heart in people where people would have that, that they would say, this is the one non-negotiable I have in my life. I will give away all these other things. I will give away my ministry. I will give away all my money. But I will not give that away. I will keep that. And I will die holding on to it if it must be that I die. Do y'all feel that? And it says, And my head shall be lifted up above my enemies around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. That's why I sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Are y'all good? Oh, mercy, Lord. Mercy, mercy, mercy. How many people is going through a hard time getting, getting over the Jordan? Anybody in here feel like, oh, Lord, I feel like I'm at the back of the pack. I'm even behind Byron. Well, you ain't far behind me. I'm here to declare you can get over. I'm here to declare God will gather you to himself this morning if you want to be gathered to him in a fresh way. I'm here to say that. I'm here to say that's what God wants to do for people. He wants to gather you this morning. I'm here to tell you this. No matter what, how you got through, you may have just cursed God, like cursed God and die kind of person. Like, I'm done. It doesn't matter this morning. The Lord, As Arthur Burke said, uh, this is for all the people who missed the bus the first time around. The bus is back. I'm here to tell you the bus is back. You can get on it and go. You don't have to live the way you've lived. You can be free. You can have this breakthrough in your heart where your attitude, your life, everything shifts for you. You can have this and you can stand up and declare that the Lord got me through. The Lord's good and I'll praise Him for it. You can have that this morning. I declare that to you and I see God saying to you that He wants to gather you to Himself. And I'm saying the Lord has gathered me and I won't to release that to you, to sense that gathering unto him, to sense being under his garment. And Lord, I just ask you to do it for people. I just ask you to do it for people this morning, that they would sense being gathered to you today. They would sense being under your garment. They would touch your legs and touch your feet. They would have security.